Welcome to Sheer Jeshub. This is Patty Scalzo. Please join my husband, Greg Scalzo, pastor of Sheer Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, and myself for the next few minutes as we continue our Bible study on heavenly authority. Patty, in our last few programs, we saw that the Lord desired the Israelites to be a kingdom of priests. But instead, a division became necessary in which only Moses could draw near and approach the glory and majesty of God on Mount Sinai. The people stood afar off and asked Moses to go near and hear God for them. Since the people will not consecrate their hearts unto God, they are afraid and know intuitively that they will die in his presence. The loud mercy trump of the ram's horn, sounding to call the people to come up to the mountain, is of no benefit to them. So they want Moses to be a go-between for them. And God tells Moses they are right in all that they have spoken. God knows that the people cannot approach him now and live. And so by necessity, we have almost a hierarchy in Israel's relationship with the Lord. Patty, could you read from Exodus 24, verses 1 and 2, and verses 9 to 18? Sure. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. So here we have Moses, the humblest man in the world, on the top of the mountain, entering into the thick cloud, just as he had entered in his heart into a true relationship of love and faith in his Creator. Then just below was his assistant Joshua, also a man truly consecrated or spiritually set apart unto God and destined to be in a like relationship. Then much further down the mountain are Aaron and his sons, as well as the seventy elders, the appointed leaders of Israel. And notice the grace of God, that these nobles were able to look up and see the God of Israel on the mountaintop, and still they lived. And they had a type of communion there, as they ate and drank. They saw God and the glory of his kingdom, yet they could not enter the kingdom, the presence, as Moses had done. They can get near, but not close. 
Then lastly, you have the people themselves who cannot go up at all and are afar off, probably back at the camp, waiting for Moses to get all the information about the things of God. And since the people are not set apart in their hearts unto God, but are spiritually as far away from Him as they symbolically are distance-wise from the top of the mountain, the time of waiting for Moses to return becomes just too great for them. They break all their promises to follow the commandments of the Lord, and we have the incident of the golden calf, which we studied some programs back. And as we also saw, their apostasy touches even to Aaron, as he fashions the calf for them with his own hands. Okay, Patty, let's jump ahead now to the time when the Israelites set out from the wilderness of Sinai. Once again, the people complained, this time about having only manna to eat. We'll pick up in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them, that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom, as a guardian carries a nursing child, to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat, that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. And Patty, once again we see how overwhelming the load can be on God's anointed leaders. As Moses cries out, he is not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is just too heavy for one man. And once again we see the serious need for suitable helpers, assistance, in order for the leader to be able to function properly and enjoy God's peace. Let's read the Lord's response to Moses' request in verses 16 and 17. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. So the seventy elders, a group the same or similar to those who had had a communion meal before the presence of God on the mountain, would now receive of the same Holy Spirit as was on Moses. They too would become anointed, and then they would share the burden of the people with Moses. And so implicit in this passage is the extreme importance of having the anointing of God's Holy Spirit for any position of authority in God's kingdom. For them to lead like Moses, they needed the very same supernatural spirit that was upon Moses. And this message becomes amplified as we go into the New Testament and the New Covenant, which is so wonderfully fulfilled with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as well as the various gifts and offices of ministry and service which the Spirit then so graciously gives to the church. Okay, let's read what happens in Numbers 11, starting at verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, 
and he gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people, and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and spoke to him, and took of the spirit that was upon him, and placed the same upon the seventy elders. And it happened, when the spirit rested upon them, that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad, and the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Notice first that as the spirit falls or rests upon these elders, they prophesy. There is an actual manifestation of the presence of the spirit. In this case, they prophesy or utter words from God, a message from the Lord enabled by the Spirit. Also notice that they never do so again. Remember, these seventy would also be included in the generation that came under the wrath of God and died in the wilderness over the forty-year trip. Only Joshua and Caleb from that generation were able to enter the Promised Land. And there is an obvious caution here. Though the Spirit falls and they prophesy, though they taste of the things of the Spirit, still it would seem that they did not enter into the like faith and relationship which Moses had with the Lord, though obviously God is giving them the opportunity. And so the prophesying is only an initial experience. But God in mercy still does anoint them here, at least for a time, to help Moses. Not only that, but he anoints two of the seventy, Eldad and Medad, who had not even gotten themselves to the tabernacle as Moses had instructed. Greg, this anointing is truly by God's mercy and grace, isn't it? That's right. The Spirit's gifts are manifested not because of the holiness of these men, but rather because of God's forgiveness and grace and love for his people. And these seventy are given a tremendous opportunity in the Spirit to draw near to the Lord. But unfortunately, they never fully respond, even as we will see later with Saul, the first king of Israel. It is easy to understand Joshua's response when he hears that Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. They had not even managed to come to the tabernacle as Moses instructed. So he says, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. As though Moses could tell God on whom to pour out the Spirit. But Patty, look at Moses' response to Joshua. He says, Are you zealous? or perhaps more literally, are you jealous for my sake? He's saying to Joshua, don't be upset because you think somehow this is some affront to me. And then, Patty, we have the heart of Moses, that which makes Moses a true heaven-anointed leader from God. He says, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses is not there enjoying being the only leader, the only one who entered the thick cloud on the mountain. Moses is not on some ego trip, looking always to keep the people afar off from God and dependent upon him as a go-between. He is not some jealous religious leader looking to maintain his position and power. Rather, Moses wants all the people to be in close communion with God. 
He wants all to have the spirit and all to be on fire. He wants all to be able to go up the mountain when the ram's horn sounds the long blast. Moses' heart is to lead each to trust only in God. And that answers our question from several programs back. Why God could say to Moses in Exodus 19.9, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and believe you, or put their trust in you forever. God could trust Moses and have the people look to Moses because Moses' heart was to bring the people directly to God, to a place that each would be, even as he, a prophet of God with God's Spirit dwelling upon them. This is the characteristic of heavenly authority. And this brings us to the next important principle in our study. God chooses and anoints special people with the purpose of leading others into a like sweet relationship directly with himself, not to make followers for themselves. Authority then continues and must be recognized for some very practical and specific purposes. However, it is not for any spiritual distinction, nor that some are meant to be in a closer relationship and walk with God. For that matter, true authority has just the opposite attitude. True authority from God will lead people into that way where they will be led and guided directly by God's Word and Spirit. If you would like to write to us or feel led of the Lord to help support our church's outreach, our address is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle Sunday service is at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Join us next time for Shear Jashub.